Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and this is the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. Coming up for you right now is episode four of season seven. And in season seven, we're focusing on all the delicious barbecue that's happening right here in Australia. And I'm kicking off this season, the first 10 episodes, I'm talking to the top five teams from the ABA ladder from 2019 and the top five teams from the KCBS ladder. So we're going to get some great barbecue info from the top of the pointy end of the spear right here on Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. Now, today's guest is Nathan Armstrong of Smoke and Daggers Barbecue. You have seen him on the Smoking Hot Confessions socials before. We've done a couple of videos before. We've done a couple of Q&As together um, up on stage at some of the Brisbane and Sunshine Coast barbecue festivals. So he shouldn't be a stranger to you, but it is his first time to have an episode of the podcast. So I'm sure you're going to make him feel welcome. And wherever you're listening, at work, in the car, on the bus, whatever, just give a big cheer and clap your hands right now. Yeah, Nathan. Woo. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> so what we're going to talk about today, we're going to find out about um, how Smoke and Daggers came about, how they got into barbecue, where they're going to go, and most importantly, we're going to get into their 2019 season, how that went for them, and how they managed to f- fight their way to come in second on the ladder on, on uh, for KCBS. So we're going to talk about all sorts of different things. Um, they won my favorite competition, the Burley Barbecue Competition down here. It's my local. Um, I didn't get to compete this year, so that's why he won. I'm just going to say it right now. No. <laughs> He, he whips me silly whenever we compete together. Uh, we're going to find out what Nathan's got planned for 2020. And he was, he, he was even gracious enough to send me a copy of a spreadsheet with his entire history of barbecue competition results. So we're going to pick a couple of the more uh, interesting sort of standout results there. And we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to get into the always contentious open beef category. So we're going to find out what Nathan has to say about that, which is going to be very interesting indeed. So without further ado, let's get stuck into it. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Nathan of Smoke and Daggers, mate, welcome to the confessional. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. Anytime, man. You are always welcome. So, Smoke and Daggers Barbecue. First of all, i got to ask, where did the name come from? I love it. Um, yeah, well, originally when we first started talking about competing, we had to come up with a name and we actually had one that we were really keen on, um, but being fresh to barbecue, didn't know if the team had it or not. So I thought the quickest way would be to just put it on the ABA page. And I quickly got spanked because there was a um, business with a similar name, very, very, pretty much the same name. Um, so I found out very quickly that that name wasn't ideal. Uh, so then we just, I guess, threw some names around and it just popped out and worked really well. Um, so yeah, we went with that. I just love that it's got the word daggers in it. <laughs> yeah, it was a draw card, I suppose. Makes yeah. sense, smoke, knives, it all works. Um, helps that myself and Mark, one of the other teammates, have spent a lot of time in the meat industry. Uh, so we've spent a lot of times around knives. So it sort of just sits home with us. Oh, right. So are you, uh, do you have a background in the meat industry as well? Yeah, I spent, so I spent 10 years in the meat industry, um, working pretty much from the floor all the way up. So spent a lot of time and Mark has spent, is still in the meat industry. So we both have a really strong, um, meat handling background, which has definitely come into a big advantage in barbecue. So do you mean as butchers or in an abattoir? Uh, in an abattoir. Oh, so, right. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're right at the start of the process. Yeah. So we definitely have a really good understanding of um, how animals join together and all their components and what that means. And we usually, like you usually find Mark floating around a team's tent, sharpening knives for them or um, doing stuff like that because it's just sort of what we're used to. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be second nature pretty much, wouldn't it? hundred percent. Yeah. So when it comes to, to, um, to abattoirs in Australia, are, is there any way that we do things differently to, to other places? Like what, 
sort of makes Australian meat processing unique? Um, it's mainly more about the names and the cuts and how we process them. So we just do things to an Australian standard. Uh, it's a little bit different than what you'd get like in America. Just a lot of the times it's just the names of the cuts are different. Um, but yeah, very similar. So is that what's referred to as a, as a boning spec? Yeah, exactly. So you'll have like the Australian standards for boning specs and then, but a lot of times that also breaks down into customer levels. So each customer will have their own boning spec or slicing spec. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting law. And when you say customer, you mean like a, a butcher or a supermarket or something? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. See, I, I thought there was just one standard boning spec per animal, like per uh, protein, beef, pork, uh, lamb. There, there's, like a, there's a standard. Um, but then customers will have their own specifications if they want to do things a certain way. Um, and then the animals will get broken down according to that. Interesting. So how many, how many butchers would you say nowadays actually break down the animal in their shop? In an actual butcher shop? Not yeah. many. Most of them get boxed beef. So they'll buy, say they want rumps or something, they'll just buy a box of rumps that will come from a abattoir or meatworks. Um, and already cryovac and ready to go. There is definitely a few around that'll still um, get their own sides in. Like we're lucky with our sponsor, uh, Schulte's at the Plainlands. He, they have their own abattoir, so they actually source their own cattle from a farm station, and then they'll bring it in and break it down themselves, uh, and then bring the sides into the shop and break them down further. So we're really lucky in that aspect. Wow. Yeah. So they can really control it like from literally out in the paddock to in your hand inbox. Yeah. hundred percent. It's really, really helpful. If we have, you know, American barbecue cuts, aren't standard butchers cut in Australia. Um, so it's, you know, it can be a bit difficult to get really particular things, but, um, Pete and the team have been really helpful there. They pretty much, we just showed them what we needed and they were able to deliver exactly what we wanted so it was great that's awesome so what would you say would be the most um sort of uh difficult to get cut in australia then because it's different to say like traditional american barbecue yeah i think um these days just trying to get good pork ribs like beef ribs are pretty easy to get uh briskets like to get a good american barbecue brisket is definitely getting easier um, most butcher shops will be able to get it for you now, uh, just to get a decent set of pork ribs with a decent layer of meat on it. Cause most butcher shops would just see that as wastage. So, um, yeah, trying to get those, you know, and that's why, you know, there's some pork ribs at Costco are so popular because they, they do leave a lot of meat on the bone. Yeah, they do um, sort of sacrifice a bit of the belly meat there to to get those ribs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, basically the the belly that's coming off those ribs, you know, you you wouldn't be able to get bacon out of or sellers pork belly. It'll just end up being too thin. Yeah, right. Oh, bacon. Mm, I'm so hungry <laughs> right now. I just got back from the gym and I haven't eaten dinner yet, and I'm starving. And you just said bacon. That's just ruined me. <laughs> that's not that's not good gym food unless you're on keto. Well, oh hey. If anyone was built for keto, it's me. <laughs> so, all right. So, so what was the process of getting into barbecue for you? Um, yeah. So, uh, when I left school, I lived in the states for twelve months uh, and travelled around. So I sort of, you know, got a bit of a bug for it, and then we came back and just sort of fell away for a while. And then I heard about the Brizzy Barbecue Festival on was a few a couple of years ago now um and thought i'd just give it a go so i actually volunteered at that barbecue festival on the gate just so i could get an idea about what to do and it piqued my interest i met some really great guys uh while volunteering and then myself and nathan went for a walk around and thought well we can do this nathan's a baller maker by trade so we started throwing ideas around of being able to make the smoker and what we could do. And it all just started from there. And 
a few months later, we were at Bundy. Right. Wow. So, Never. right. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm just looking at that uh, spreadsheet that you sent me. So Bundy 2018 was your first ever competition. Yeah. You got some pretty solid results there for your first ever competition. I'm just looking at it. 25th overall, 33 brisket, 18 pork ribs, 17 pork, 18 lamb, 12 chicken. Now that's a yeah, we, that's we a forty team competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were super stoked. We went into that comp, um, and myself, Nathan, and Mark had never actually cooked together, and we had never cooked on that smoker. And we just rolled into the comp and thought, you know, we'll give it a crack. And what's the worst that can happen? You spend the weekend um, drinking with guys, eating some barbecue. You can't go too wrong. No, no, it's happy days all around there, isn't it? Yeah, and we were super lucky that, you know, we'd met some really good guys. One thing you can say for the, I think, for the barbecue scene in Australia is that I I don't think I've met a team yet that hasn't been welcoming and helped you out. They'll always hold secrets back, but, you know, like Aaron from Smoke Hunters was a massive help to us at the start. He really you know, guided us into the barbecue and what to expect. And I spent a bit of time talking to him before the Bundy. Um, so that really helped. You know, I, I happened to talk to Chris from Barbecue Mafia and just sort of developed from there. And the guys were really helpful and made us feel, feel welcome in the first comp. Yeah, that's what I love about the barbecue scene. It's amazing how many times you hear people say that. And it's just... It's absolutely true. It's fantastic. I, I, I just love it. So yeah. do you have an overall goal with barbecue? Are you looking to, to turn it into a business? It, it, is it a hobby? Are you looking to be at the top of the competition ladder? Um, it's definitely a hobby. We, we do do some catering on the side. Like we are set up as a catering business as well. And we pick up some events every now and then, but the all, all three of us, we have some pretty full-on day jobs. So um, I don't think we want to turn it into anything other than a hobby. We really like just cooking for the for the fun of it, really. We don't want to get to the point where we have to cook. Yeah, I think once it, um, once it crosses that line into work, it's a yeah. bit of a danger zone. Like you've really got to love it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, so 2019, you finished up second place on the KCBS ladder. Tell me about 2019. Yeah, 2019 was great. We had a really solid year. Um, you now we did seven comps that year, three KCBS and four ABA. It was really, you know, 2018 was just our beginner year, but 2019, I think we really hit the ground running um, and really sort of understood what each teammate was good at and we sort of synced quite well. So, you know, we've always only had the three team members in the team and we've all really split up into our own little better, our own little roles. And I think 2019 showed that we can work well as a team. So. Oh yeah. Really, really solid. Yeah. I'm just looking at, at your numbers here on, on your spreadsheet. There's a huge jump from, from 2018 into 2019. So I don't know what sort of competition, uh, what sort of practice you did between August, 2018 and January, 2019, but there's a market jump there. <laughs> it was really Bundy. Um, like Bundy the first year was our entry and then Bundy last year, you know, we got some decent results. We come eighth overall, but chicken bombed and it just, I think that comp, we really went back to the drawing board with some cuts and changed up what we did and really got more structured in our approach. Um, and I think that really set the, set the way for the rest of the year. Yeah. Well, just to sort of fill in the, the audience on, on the numbers, you, you said you did seven in 2019, you did three in 2018. So you've, you've only done a total of 10 competitions Three of them yep. were KCBS this year and you need three to qualify for the ladder and you finished second on the ladder, mate. That, yeah. Those are outstanding results. Absolutely outstanding. Yeah, we we're really cheering about KCBS. Um, we were super unsure about doing them at all. Um, 
and we talked a bit about doing Cleveland, whether we were going to do it at all. And we thought, oh, we'll give it a go and just see what the KCBS um, is like. And we ran quite well in that comp. So that sort of prompted us to do Burley because we were really tossing up whether to do Burley or to do Kingaroy. Um, but then with the good result in Cleveland, we thought, oh, we'll give Burley a crack. And if we run okay in Burley, that would prompt us to do the Aussie World Comp to get our three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, once um, once uh, Julian confirmed the, the comp at Aussie World, I think that really sort of made a lot of people in Queensland at least pay a lot more attention to the KCBS ladder. Yeah, definitely. Very cool stuff. Um, so, yeah, Burley. We, we've talked about Burley. You won it. You absolutely whooped it. Just looking at your, at, at your little chart here. First overall, first in brisket, third in pork ribs, tenth in pork, first in lamb, ninth in open beef, third that in was chicken. The and open beef was the secondary brisket. Ah, right, from the, the sponsor. From that- Black. Yeah, I um, didn't want to put an extra row in for one comp, so I just called it open beef. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so that was the, the grass-fed brisket, was it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, cool. And... I, I think I spoke over you when you mentioned the name of the sponsor there. So just give us that again. Um, I think it was Black Onyx, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's good because I forgot it as well. <laughs> so yeah. that, that was why I was pushing you for it. <laughs> so, yeah, you absolutely creamed everybody at, at Burley there. Um, what's What's come about from that win for you? Yeah, so that was a really – you know, it didn't feel like a – more incredible cook than any others, but we just ran really smoothly. Our timings were perfect. Um, and we just had a great comp. And, yeah, so that gave us entry into Royal, which we're super excited about. Um, yeah, so comp was great. Couldn't, couldn't ask for a better, a better run, actually. No doubt. And getting an invite to the Royal, man, you've, you've still got to be pinching yourself about that. Yeah, no, it's awesome. We, um, we're, we're really keen to go over. We just got to fund it. <laughs> so yeah. It's not a, not a cheap weekend. Well, it's, it's what, August, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So you've got a while, you've got sort of seven months and, uh, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not going to be a cheap, a cheap trip. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure you'll get there. So did you get a bung in the jack for winning that as well? Uh, I think he'd qualified for one, yeah. I wasn't too concerned about the jack because I didn't think, like, there was no way we'd be able to do both. So, really, to me, the Royal was always going to be the one I'd choose. Right, yeah. Yeah, and that's... The jack. Yeah. Well, the, the invite to the Royal is is one in the hand and the, the bun yeah, in the exactly. jack is, is one in the bush, so... Yeah, 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 exactly. Wouldn't it be cool, though, if they did pull your bung out and then you had to choose between the two? Yeah, it wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, and they're, I think they're only a few weeks apart, so it would make it a tricky choice. Yeah, so do you have contacts over there that you'd be able to reach out to to borrow gear? No, no one. But I do have – I do know of a few teams that have been over, so um, kind of hoping if it gets to the point we can start making those decisions that – some of the Aussie teams that have been over and have the decent contacts will be able to help us out. Oh, I have no doubt about that, mate. There's some, uh, there's some good people out there with some good networks. And uh, it, if you're listening to this episode and you're heading to the Royal and you reckon you can help Nathan out, shoot me an email, ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and I'll pass you on to Nathan. Um, so I guess that sort of leads us into 2020 then. You've got, uh, you've got the Royal on the cards How's 2020 shaping up apart from the Royal? Yeah, it's a good start. Mentioning the Royal, I suppose, looking for a year ahead. Um, yeah, so we're doing Kandaro Resort this weekend. We'll be heading up um, tomorrow morning and then we're probably going to try and do seven comps again. Haven't quite locked in what they were. We were keen to do the Gundawindi comp. Um, that unfortunately got canned, but we've locked in... Harvey Bay, Bundy, uh, and then we'll play it by year. We'd like to go to the Invitational. We sort of just missed out of top 30 
for ABA at the end of last year. I think we ended up 31. But um, we'd like to definitely do invitational. And then, yeah, we'll just play it by ear. Yeah, no doubt. So you mentioned uh, Gundawindi. That was going to be a KCBS. There's yep. no Burley KCBS. Um, Aussie World, I'm told, is going to be going ahead and Cleveland. So that's two KCBS. Do you know of a third one anywhere in Queensland? No. No. Ah, all I right. Think K- yeah, I think KCBS might struggle this year in Queensland. I'm not sure. Yeah, hopefully someone else will put their hands up and put on one or two as well. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be a shame to see that go. Um, the more comps, the merrier, in in my opinion. Yeah, and I think competition is is good thing. So, you know, they're, they're two totally different bodies. They have their own styles about them, and I don't think competition's ever a bad thing. Um, it keeps everybody on their toes. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And they have different rules for the different ways that they do things, and, you know, it is a different strategy and a different approach from one league to the other. So yeah, it's it's an interesting um, it's interesting to see teams transitioning back and forth between the two. Yeah, the only thing I don't like about KCBS is the pork category because I'm really bad at it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm happy not to do too many pork categories this year. Yeah, well, you don't get too many choices in the KCBS. They they're very uh, set in their uh, yeah. proteins. Yeah, if you don't KCBS, you got to get good at pork. Yeah, the uh, the money muscle, the spaghetti, the chunks, all that good stuff. Yeah, I've I've cooked heaps of it. I just man, I just can't get it. I can't nail it. So I don't is know. Is. You you came sixth for it in in Aussie World. You can't be doing all that bad. Yeah, I get by. I just not happy. I'm just. I don't think I've ever been happy with what I've put in the box yet. Oh, really? How so? Oh, I just, I don't know. I just, you know, when you cook a real good brisket or chicken, I've, I've always been happy with what I put in the box. But just something about the pork, I just can't, just doesn't pull my heartstrings. I just can't quite get committed to it. It's good, but it's not, it doesn't make me, like as a judge, it doesn't make me want to go in and grab a piece. And I think that's really important. Mm, yeah, I just can't, I struggle to get that out of pork. Okay, so what what protein does do it for you? Oh, I'd eat brisket all day. Brisket, beef rib, decent chicken. You know, you open up a box and you just it just looks like you want to eat it. Definitely, definitely. If I had to pick one, I'd be eating brisket all day. Yeah, I think brisket boxes have the um, have the good fortune of being a bit easier to present neatly. It's kind of yeah. it's a bit more difficult to present a neat looking pork box. Yeah. Yeah. My uh my first ever barbecue competition I went in, I didn't know anything about how to do chicken properly, so I cooked the chicken whole and then served it um like pulled chicken. <laughs> and it looked awful in the box. Yeah, our our Bundy twenty eighteen pork was terrible. It was I think at the end of last year I was flicking through um, photos trying to put something up on Instagram to to celebrate our journey across barbecue, and I didn't end up doing it because I couldn't find a photo from Bundy that I liked. Oh no! <laughs> so, 2018 was a bad year, I think, for us and and uh, how you put meat in a box. And I know they say the the look is only a small part, especially in ABA, it's only weighted a small part, but. I really firmly believe that you eat with your eyes. And I think I personally feel like well-presented boxes score better than boxes that probably taste as good but aren't as well-presented. Oh, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so when it comes to putting together a a hand-in box, what are you looking for? Like, what are you, like do you have a particular um, format? Do you have certain rules like things have to look a certain shape like how, how do you go about doing it yeah so we put in every single competition our boxes look exactly the same um we always have brisket slices and hopefully burn ends if they've cooked all right the burn ends are always at the front they're always in a line our pork ribs are always the same our chickens like everything we do 
we don't change comp to comp unless we have to drop something. Like if the burn ends are no good, we won't throw them in, of course. But other than that, and it makes it easier for hand in because as a team, we already know what the box needs to look like. So it's just a case of getting it there. You know, we have one, one person who cuts and lays it out, one that'll uh, glaze, one that cleans and takes photos. We, we're very structured. So it makes it easy for us because we're never mucking around with the box. We just get the product in there exactly how it needs to be. Take, we always take a photo and something that we've learned recently is about taking photos and actually looking at the photo, not just looking at the box. Cause you pick up, a, for some reason you, we pick up a lot of things looking at the photo versus just looking at the box. Um, so we do that every single, every hand in. That's interesting. And is it a straight over the, over the top photo or do you photograph it from the angle that the judges would be looking at it? How do you position your camera? Um, pretty much straight over the top. So you're looking straight down on the meat and then, so they'll take a photo and then he'll zoom in a bit and we all look at it. And I don't know, it might just be us, but we always pick up on things that when you're looking at the box, you don't even realize whether it's because you're looking at it a little bit differently or something, but it's just become a habit of ours. And I think it works really well. You're listening to the internationally awarded smoking hot confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd, Ben Arnott. So Nathan, let's continue the conversation on these different uh, categories. You wanted to talk about open beef, so let's unpack that. Tell us about the open beef category. Yeah, I just like talking about open beef because it stirs people up. And it's so contentious. Like every time someone mentions open beef, that thread is a hundred comments long. And it cracks me up every time. Um, and it's usually me in there stirring the pot a little bit. Never. But, <laughs> but I just, I don't know. I just, like I said earlier, competition, I think competition breeds better competition. And I think open beef is just one of those categories. Like we've done it twice last year and we went second place and first place in the two comps. And I can tell you for a fact, we didn't put steak in either box because that's usually the contentious bit is everyone's, <laughs> everyone's complaining that, Someone will just cook a, you know, a Wagyu nine plus steak and get first place. And I just, I don't know. I just, I just find it really funny. You know, if it was me and I had to choose between a piece of brisket and a slice of steak, I'd, it's a pretty easy choice for me. I'd choose brisket every day. And we, when we do the hand in for open beef, we definitely weren't doing brisket only, um, but there was no quick cooks in the box. Yeah, I think um, I think it it might be a pretty decent strategy to keep a good steak up your sleeve. So if you absolutely mess up what you're trying to cook, you can just quickly bang a steak on the grill and and throw it in, just so you're handing in something. But yeah, yeah. I can I can see why why people are saying you know my twelve hour brisket against someone's four minute steak. Yeah, but that's competition. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like saying my nine plus. Sure, Wagyu brisket versus someone's Black Onyx or Costco brisket. Like, you know, I mean, you're you're at a natural advantage cooking a heavily marbled piece of beef. So I think unless you get to the point where supply people supply the cuts, there's always going to be that argument. Yeah, no doubt. I do have to say though that I I actually prefer eating a uh, like an Angus brisket to a Wagyu. I just if I'm cooking dinner at home, I find the Wagyu briskets tend to be a bit um, too much for me. But um, I can see why judges love it because they get just one bite. So yeah, which do you actually prefer if you're going to sit down to a meal of it yourself? Uh, I would eat Wagyu all day. Oh wow! Yeah, I love it. Even you know in there my household we don't eat a lot of beef but every now and then i will cook a steak and i'll struggle to share it <laughs> i love it so and the other thing with competition barbecue too is that you know there wouldn't be too many 
people handing in protein that hasn't been injected and hasn't had, you know, a heavy application of rub on it. That's not home cooking. You know, they've got, the judges are only having one bite. Whereas if you're cooking Wagyu at home, you, you're sort of leaving a lot of that off. So it's not quite as intense. No, that's true too. Yeah. Yeah. I did, um, I did grab a couple of Wagyu steaks there a little while ago, just ribeyes, just Wagyu ribeyes. And I was flat out getting through the whole thing. It was much too rich. Hmm. Well, I, took, I haven't had that problem yet. <laughs> I took them over to the Sappers boys and said, hey, do you guys want to finish these steaks? They went, uh, yeah. <laughs> <coughs> so what do you like to, to cook for your open beef category? Um, so we will usually cook brisket and we've been cooking beef rib and we just present it a couple of different ways. Ooh, I love beef ribs. Tell me about your beef ribs. Yeah, we use um, Schulte's, their own beef rib. So Jagerburn beef that they source from their own um, station. Their, their farm has been supplying them for decades now. So it's actually their beef ribs, some of the best things I eat. They're already denuded. They're perfect. You can literally open the packet. And at comps, we'll literally open the packet from the butcher shop and throw it in the barbecue. That's wow. how well trimmed they are. Um, and they're nicely marbled. So beef ribs, whenever we cook beef ribs, we're super happy because the, the prep goes down a long way. Yeah. Yeah, that's always a plus. Um, what was that word you mentioned before, denuted? Denuded. Yeah, that's just a technical term for removing the silver skin. So when you denude something, you're just taking it back to red meat. Ah, okay. Awesome. I learned something new today. (laughs) So why do you think it is, like we've already discussed the fact that people get upset about the idea of a steak beating their brisket and, and all that sort of thing. Why does this stick in people's craw so much? when we've got lamb open categories, pork open categories, chicken open categories, why is it the beef? I think it's the cook time. Like, I know chicken is an open category, but they all cook a similar time. The lamb, you know, you can smash out a lamb rack pretty quick, but it's all within, you know, a few hours of the window. But, yeah, I'm not sure, just for some reason – Perhaps because it's new, lamb's always been open, chicken's always been open, you know, until last year, was it beef? It was just brisket or beef rib, and all of a sudden it's opening up. It just makes people nervous, I suppose, because a lot of people have cooked the same way for a long time. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Um, People are always a bit wary of things that are new. Um. Now, the way I look at this open beef category thing, uh, I don't know how old you are, but I remember as a child watching the Bathurst 1000 on the television. I think it was called the Tui's 1000 back then. And um, we would see things like Japanese four-wheel drives racing against, you know, Ford Falcons and Holden Commodores and all that sort of stuff. And it was just a much more interesting race to watch than it is now. Now it's all custom-built frames with fiberglass bodies that kind of look like the original cars, but they, but they all have to be – actually, un, until recently when Nissan and Volvo started bringing in their, their V8s, they all had to be V8, rear-wheel drive, and either a Holden or a Ford. And it just became so dull, I ended up just stopping watching the race. And I remember as a kid watching some repeats of old races with my dad back when you'd have minis – sticking it to XW, XY, GT, Falcons and stuff. And it was just, it was so much more interesting. And I really think that that's the potential that the open beef category has to have. We're going to see people putting in, you know, little things versus big things and things that some people think are fantastic and other people think are rubbish and then actually put them all in the mix and see who 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 genuinely comes out on top. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's... I think it's interesting and if promoters take it on, I'll be interested to see over the next few years who's actually winning, looking at the, you know, the top three of each comp and what those teams are handing in and 
the complexity of it. So it, it gives you a lot more ability. You know, you, in an open beef box, you could put five different proteins in if you wanted to. Oh, imagine give, that. Ju- give judges a little bit of everything, you know. It'd be a pretty intense cook for you, and that would be a pretty intense window. But if you nail them, you nail them. Like, how good, are the, how good is the skill of a cook that can do a 12-hour brisket and a, and a perfect steak at the same time, so... Yeah, well, there's a bit of a disconnect there in in my mind as well with people saying, oh, you know, I don't want someone handing in a steak. There's a bit of a disconnect between that and the popularity of the SCA, which is all about cooking a steak. Yeah. So on the one hand, people don't want people cooking steaks in competition, but then the same people are lining up to compete in the SCAs, which I also love because I, I I think they're a fantastic uh, well of creativity and, and a good time. So... Um, what do you think about that? Do you think there's a bit of a bit of a disconnect there with the, uh, I don't want to say hypocrisy, but um, uh, cognitive dissonance, I guess. Yeah, I think it's just the the traditionalist. What is a beef? What goes into a beef box or a brisket box? And it's a it's it's changing. The it's evolving, um, and it makes people nervous. You know, SCA is very popular these days. It's getting more and more popular. It's not something that I'm really interested in and we haven't competed in it. Um, I just purely because I'm not that creative. Like I look at some of the boxes and some of the hand-ins from the guys down south doing SCA and I just couldn't think of that stuff. So we just stay stay out of it. <laughs> yeah, I can certainly understand that. The uh, I'd, I'd be left well behind in the creativity stakes. As, oh, pun. <laughs> I'd be left... <laughs> I'd be left well behind in the in the creativity stakes as well. Um, but what was interesting was when I was over in the US last year, I, was, I went to a couple of these SCA competitions and I got to meet Johnny Joseph and talk with Joey Machado and Junior Urias and these guys that are really at the top of the SCA game over there. And they just look at me and say, we don't do the ancillaries. We are only yeah, here okay. for the steak. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, very, very. Um I guess because that's where the that's where the money is. That's where the where the rings are. Is is all is all about the stake. Yeah, yeah, and it's decent money. I'm like, there's some comps with some decent money to cook a steak for five minutes. And um, yeah, no, it's interesting. I can see why it draws people. Yeah, yeah, and it's great for for bringing people together. I saw three and four people sharing a grill because there's a half hour hand in window. Yeah. So they all just sort of stand around one grill together and take turns doing their steak. It was really interesting. Hmm. So do you think that there um, that there is a place for SCA marrying up to a KCBS competition? We've seen them marry up with the ABA in Australia. Do you think we'll see them marry up with a KCBS comp? Yeah, I don't think there's no reason why. They can't. Um, you know, there is ancillaries and KCBS, so they are – obviously open to different things. Um, I think it's really down to the promoter. I would hope that, you know, in Queensland, SCA is not massive at the moment. They, we've had a couple couple comps and it was really slow. So I think if anyone grabs the chance to get it more popular in Queensland, it'd be great for them to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like it'd really take off. It's Queensland, it's hot, it's summer. We've most of us live near the beach. It's just it's perfect for standing around with some mates, drinking a cold beer and cooking a steak. Yeah, exactly. So aside from yourselves, of course, in 2020, who do you think are the teams to watch? We're always got one eye on eye on Primal Lion. Those guys always have a good cook. Um the mafia boys are always solid. You know, they'll often just roll into a comp and take a GC away like they did last year at Harvey Bay. Um, yeah, there's, there's such a strong set of teams that you rock up to a comp and you just don't know. Like, there could be anyone takes the comp. Um, you know, we have some really strong teams in Queensland which makes for some really good competition. You know, it's really good to be able to go up to a comp and point out, you know, 15 teams that can easily take first. Just makes you 
makes you be a better barbecuer. Yeah, doesn't it make the uh, the awards exciting when you're trying trying to do the math in your head, looking at those fifteen teams, going, "Oh, well, they got a second, they got a fourth, that one got a first, that one got a third, and you're trying to work it out in your head, and you're like, "Oh, who are they going to call next?" So exciting. Yeah, it's really good. And you know, the other thing, you know, I talked about Aussie barbecue teams being real welcoming. You know, every time there's a an awards ceremony, like when we're handing out. Um, points and prizes and every time the category winners announced everyone's cheering i just think it's really good that everybody is really supportive and you know when someone does well 10 people will pat them on the back say good job they just makes makes the event yeah, there's almost one of those uh, ceremonial processions where they form two columns and they get to run down the column and everyone slaps them on the back. It's almost, it's almost to that level. Yeah, exactly. It's beautiful. On, you know, depends on um, who it is. There'll be sometimes there'll be guys running from halfway across just to give them a hug. Yeah, <laughs> that's usually Bretto from the mongrels. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So talking about primal, I reckon that they're overdue for a hot run. What do you think? Yeah, I think. And the guys just cook well. And, you know, I have a lot to thank Matty for, for his help. You know, we really struggled with chicken and our results showed that. And, you know, I got to the point, I think it was Bundy last year, I just said, I need to change my chicken and just started doing some big changes, went back to the drawing board, changed what we were doing, changed how we, you know, injecting, our rub changed, our cooking changed, and may really provided some guidance about what I should do. And I was when I could, I could, I felt like it was a bit of a sounding board, and I could throw ideas on him and see what he thought and judged judged him. And I was sending him photos of it, and those guys just have a lot of respect for them, and they just they're they're overdue, way overdue for a good run. Yeah, you know, it's funny. You're actually about the sixth person or sixth team that I've spoken to that have told me the Primal have taken them under their wing. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. They they definitely are due for some some big things this year and I really want to see that happen for them. They've they've yeah. given so much to the scene and they continue to give so much. It would be nice to see them, uh, you know, get some, get some rings at the end of the year and some of those giant trophies. Yeah, and they're just good guys, like, And there's a lot of teams that are like that, but I've found that, you know, between Primal and Barbecue Mafia, you know, they all sort of took us under their wing and helped us along. And, you know, now we're lucky enough to be sponsored by Barbecue Mafia. And I think it's, you know, it's a good little family that we've got. And, yeah, it's just really good to be able to hang out with the guys at a comp, you know. It'd be good to hang out with them this weekend. haven't seen them in a while. Oh, it's going to be like a family reunion. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's great that you've picked up sponsorship with Barbecue Mafia. They're doing some really exciting and interesting work with their with their rub range and their new restaurant there. Um, yeah, it's it's fascinating. Even just from a, if you just sort of zoom out to the to the macro level and just have a look at what they're doing in terms of marketing, it's just it's everything they do is on point. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know, have you been to the restaurant? Not yet, no, no. It's um, I've been a, been a couple times, and I haven't had a bad feed yet. The huh. guys, the guys are all about the the customer experience, right? Like, I was at I cooked with them at CMC last year when they did the festival at Willowbank. I gave them a hand for the two of the days, and they would just not serve food that was no good. Like, I had <laughs> ballsy next to me. And I'm slicing and he's tasting and he's just, nah, you're not serving it. You're not serving it. It's no good. It's no good. They just have such a strong ethic for serving high quality food. And that's why they're so popular. That's why they're doing so well because people go there and they don't leave disappointed. They go back and they tell their mates about it. Yeah. If it's not the best, you're not getting it. Exactly. Beautiful, beautiful. Now you mentioned that um, that Primal had given you some uh, some chicken pointers there just a few minutes ago. Do you reckon you can share any of them with us? It was just about, you know, 
how we were presenting and flavor profiles and, um, you know, we sort of, we had a massive change on our, how we presented chicken and how we cooked chicken that, you know, it was really just the guidance about what they've seen in the past and what they have seen go well. Cause we, you know, we're still relatively new. I think that was only our fourth comp and yeah, it was just really good to be able to have a, pra- like, mate, I practiced so much chicken back then. <laughs> <laughs> it was unbelievable. And, you know, every time I practice it, take a photo, send it to Maddie, and he'd give you some feedback and what he's seen. And of course, it's only presentation, but um, it was just really helpful uh, as a sounding board more than anything. Yeah, sounds amazing. It's it's fantastic that you had that opportunity to work so closely with them. Yeah, and I, I'd hope that, you know, there's teams there out there now that have could feel the same way about us. I think it's really important that, you know, on we've been to comps and we've seen teams and it's been their first time and we've taken them and we've shown them what we do and we've made sure they're okay and they've got all their equipment and, make sure their knives are sharp and, you know, cause I think it's really the pay it forward mentality that we were so well helped and it really helped us along the journey that we want to pass that on and pass it on to the new teams. Cause the more teams we have, the more competitions they're going to be. The comps will get bigger, more people will get interested and it'll just help the barbecue scene in Australia strengthen. Yeah. Beautifully said the more the merrier and we're all going to have a, much better time together. Exactly. So let's sort of head towards uh, closing out this, this interview. What would be your top three tips for these new teams that you're talking about that are coming into competition? Yeah, easy. Um, number one is just do it. So just get involved. You know, it's a competition. Worst case, you're going to throw away 500 bucks or something, you know, 600 bucks between the, a few people. Seriously, the amount of things we learned in that first competition, we could have sat on forums or Googled for a year and not have learned that experience. So, you know, all I would say to the teams is, the new teams is just come along to a comp, get involved, have a go. The teams are super friendly. You know, everyone is welcoming and helps you out. Um, Don't be scared to be at the bottom someone's got to be at the bottom. And when we first started, you know, we went in fully understanding that we might be at the bottom. It doesn't matter. As long as you have a go and do what you think's right, do the best you can do. You're only going to get better. Um, second tip is don't get on the drink so hard. <laughs> Seriously, there's some teams that, you know, for us, when we go into a barbecue comp, we go to compete and we go – we go because we want to do well. We put a lot of money into barbecue and a lot of time. Um, drinking's definitely not at the top of our list. And I've seen new teams go in and get absolutely blind because it's, you know, it's exciting and they see everyone drinking and it just ruins the experience for them. You know, take it slow, learn what you need to learn and then, you know, you can do, develop your stomach later on. <laughs> nice. Uh, and, and, uh, and don't forget parsley. Oh, yeah. <laughs> learn, learn how to uh, – I learned uh, – we learned how to box pars, present parsley at the competition. Uh, we were parked up next to Aaron from Smoke Hunters and he was thankful enough to come over and give us a go at our first box, but – yeah, don't forget the basics. You know, don't overpack. Don't don't you don't need the whole house, but um, don't forget the basics. Think about what you need. Yeah, well said. My first ever barbecue competition. I didn't even know that we needed parsley, and <laughs> um, I I was looking over at the meat sweats, and uh, I saw Vaughn sitting there picking all this parsley, and I went over. I said, "Excuse me, mate, what are you doing?" And he goes, oh, I'm, I'm just putting together a parsley box. We just make this, you know, we just put some greenery in under the meat and it just makes the meat look better. Oh, all right, thanks. 
So I, I went back to my teammates and I told them what was going on. I said, we've got to get some like stuff to put in the box, like greenery, you know. So they took off down the street and they grabbed parsley and coloured capsicums and bits of cucumber <coughs> and all sorts of stuff. And so my my first ever hand in boxes, I've still got the photos. They have they look like little jack o' lanterns. They've got little um like chunks of red capsicum that have been carved into the shape of Australia and sat on the on sat on top of the pulled pork and all this sort of stuff. It was pretty uh it was pretty wild. <laughs> all righty, mate. So I'm going to throw the studio over to you now. Um, give some shout outs to whoever you like and tell them where they can track down uh, Smoke and Daggers Barbecue. Yeah, sure. I just um, throw out to our, you know, we've been gracious to have good sponsors. So, Schulte's at Plainlands, um, best butchers around. Barbecue Mafia obviously supply our rubs. Uh, we're lucky to have Brad King supplying our firewood this year. Um, so, really great guys, good for the local scene. We support local where we can. Um, yeah, and you can. Look us up on Instagram, Facebook, Smoke and Daggers Barbecue. Um, yeah. Awesome, man. Sounds good. So I just want to extend a huge thank you uh, to you from Smoking Hot Confessions for taking some time out to uh, to come into the confessional, tell us all your story and, and give us all those hints. I'm sure everyone's got a lot out of it and they're all very thankful for it too. So, yeah, thank you very much. No problem. And there you have it, family. That was Nathan Armstrong from Smoke and Daggers Barbecue. Finished number two for the year on the KCBS ladder. So we found out his story about how he got into barbecue. We found out how his 2019 went. We heard all about Burley and the exciting things that winning that grand championship at Burley has has brought about for him. And we had a detailed look, and this is the first time anybody from any team has ever been brave enough to do this on the show has given me their entire history of barbecue competition results. So we got to have a deep dive into that and talk about the highs and lows in that as well. And when you do sit down and look at it, they have been absolutely remarkable. Ten competitions in total, three in 2018, seven in 2019. The only KCBS competitions were the three they did in 2019 to come second on the ladder. That is absolutely phenomenal and I feel very privileged to have had him in the studio sharing his story with us. So that's it for today's show. If you want to do me a favor, grab a friend, tell them about the show and make sure you invite them to the Smoking Hot Confessions barbecue community on Facebook. Everyone in there is absolutely lovely. We are very welcoming. We don't take any guff and it's just all about barbecue all the time. So make sure you grab someone, grab their phone, subscribe them to the show and bring them into the Smoking Hot Confessions barbecue community on Facebook. And that's it from me. So till next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions. <laughs>